One, two, three. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Let's all be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, um, look at your neighbor and say, get ready for this. All right. God's got us here for a reason. Amen. So we can learn and grow and prosper. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray before we get into the word. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus for blessing us, blessing us to be here this morning. We thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to sit at your feet and to receive fresh rhema from heaven. I bind the work of the devil right now in the name of Jesus, that there be no distractions, but that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you've sent it to. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to the power of the Holy Ghost now in Jesus' name. Amen. Church said amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. All right, look at your name and say, get your Bible out. Okay, so God's got good stuff in store for us, and uh, we're just going to grow by the word and by what God is causing us to do. Amen. What he wants to do in and through us all. Amen. And so I want to preach this message this morning entitled, What Could Happen? What Could Happen? And so if we think about that, When you say what could happen, that could be good or bad. It's just up to you as to what you choose to meditate. But um, our world is filled with negative prognosticators. Amen. You've got all these people that are out there in our world, people living with a gloomy forecast. Come on. Have you ever come on? You met any of them? Amen. They're living life with a gloomy forecast. And so they're they're not expecting anything good. I mean, even though like we spent all of our time this morning talking about how good God is, but and God says, I don't change. And so, but yet in our world today that there are so many people expecting negative outcomes and guess what? They're also in the church. Oh, come on, y'all. Y'all, y'all want to be helped today? And they're also in the church. So wait, why would we have so many negative prognosticators, people, uh, anticipating doom and gloom, but then be in the church. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ, right? And so Jesus is the head. We are the body. But who do we worship in the church? We worship our heavenly father. Amen. Come on. We worship our heavenly father who is good. Oh, can I get amen up in here? Who is always good? Who has never been anything but good? Are y'all... And so we have to pay attention to what is happening because we're not in the world for the world to change us. We're in the world to change it and to let the world know that this world is not above our God. And so we're going to worship him. And so uh, because of this, people living with this gloomy forecast and even in the church, well, all of this stuff, this is a result of a diabolical plan of the enemy to crush the hopes and dreams of people. Now think about this. Think about how much hopelessness is in our world today. Think about how much despair. Think about how many people have had their expectations be lower to almost nothing. And why is that? Well, that's because that's the plan of the enemy. And this is a fear-based strategy designed to establish a new norm of pessimism. Come on, y'all. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I stay connected with God. And so I know what he's doing, but he also helps me to understand what the enemy is doing. And so think about this. Why would there be a new norm of pessimism? Do you know that you will look like a a weirdo, for lack of better words, if you are in front of some people talking the positive talk that we talk around here? Come on. If you were to carry on that conversation, the conversation that we have when we're uh, in each other's company and we're talking all this faith and all this God's got it and all this stuff, uh, somebody, even a churchgoer, is going to look at you like you're a little strange. Why? Because there's been a new norm of pessimism established. And so the news and everything, all they do is promote that because they're trying to get that to become your truth. And so there's that new norm of pessimism. And but we're not going to go for that. Come on, somebody. We're not going to go for that. Why? Because the truth is we serve the God of abundance. Come on. Can I get amen right here? Come on. We we serve the God of peace. How many know God is peace? God is love. I mean, we serve the God of joy, happiness, healing. Come on. Restoration. Come on. God will restore what the locust has eaten. But this is the God that we serve. Come on. How many know we serve the God of deliverance? God won't just touch you and save you. He'll deliver you. He'll give you a right mind. Come on. He'll clean up your thoughts. Come on. He'll change your attitude. He'll change your approach. He will deliver you even from addictions to where things that used to have you bound. You'll laugh at those things. Come on, somebody. Am I? uh. So you see how we cannot fall for this pessimism becoming our new norm. We ought to always be walking the earth filled with expectation. And so if you think about it, what could happen? Now, people say, well, you never know, brother. Well, but what if we were focused on God and we say, well, what could happen? Well, you want to know what could happen. You need to find out what God thinks about you and what is God's desires for you. So go to third John two, third John two, King James, we know this, uh, but I'm just going to give you the word and we're going to stand on it. See, I don't want you standing on anything. I want you standing on the word and don't go by what somebody else says about your God. You go by what the word says about him and you take that word and ask the Holy Ghost to give you understanding. And then because a lot of people come up with an opinion about God, but they never go to God and ask him. Come on, somebody. They never go to God. No, the people are not going to God and say, show me yourself. But yet they have all these opinions about God and what God thinks, but they don't go to him. And he reveals his character in his word. So it says, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So what is that? Your soul, that's your mind, your will and your emotions. This is what God desires. So God desires you to prosper. But the world says, oh, well, you know what? Um, You know, don't fall for that prosperity doctrine. It's not a doctrine. It's just what what do you want for me, God? Amen. What what do you have for me? I mean, I'm your child. And so uh, look at this in the uh, Amplified Classic. 
Now, I give you all these scriptures and I give them to you over and over again because I want to reset your expectation. I want this thing to kick in in you where one day you wake up and read that and you say, oh, that's what I expect. Come on, y'all. Y'all didn't hear me. One day you're going to wake up and read the Bible and that's what it says. You say, oh, well, that's what it says. That's what I expect. And, and you will walk out of your house and you say, well, let me walk into my prosperity then because that's what he said. Not. What is the government doing? What is, oh, well, did you hear about that new disease? Did you hear about all that? What, that? That's the devil trying to bring you into a new norm of pessimism. But that's not your design. You're not even created to function like that. But it's so prevalent. It's like today we could survey churches and you can ask a group of people questions about their future. You can ask them about what do they believe? Do they believe in healing? All kind of stuff. And you'd be surprised at the answers you would get. And there would be so many people that say, oh, well, that doesn't happen anymore. And you will have so many people trying to, they basically say they're Christians, but they're living their lives according to the world standards. And so the world is dictating what they can have and what they can't have. That's wrong. That's not what God says. And so he says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way. What does that mean to you? Is it okay to, for us to think that God wants everything working in our lives? Oh, come on. Is it all right for us to say, I know God wants me to prosper financially. I'm, I'm very convinced. Oh, come on, anybody in here. Is it okay for us to say, I know God wants my body healed. Well, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to take the cards that you were dealt. Doesn't that sound like some gambling or something? That don't sound, I never read in the Bible where it says I got to take the, the hand that I was dealt. But I know that they say that at casinos. So why are we trying to take worldly slogans and cliches and things and apply them to Christian living? See, our expectations ought not be set by anyone but God. And we only know what God wants when we get in his book. Amen. And so, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that's your body. Now, y'all okay with this? Look at your name and say that this is my body he's talking about. Let me tell you a a major trick of the enemy. Let me just expose a major trick of the enemy. So what the enemy has done is he's allowed people to study themselves stupid. Okay. And so what do I mean by that? You could study yourself stupid. You can know what this says, but have no revelation of it. And you cannot apply a lick of it to your life. And so you could read it. You could say, that's what it says. And then what? The devil will allow you to go on a futile journey of going back. And how many know, don't nobody care about all these Uh, archaeological details we want to know how can I get victory in my life amen that's what I want to know I want to know what I can use against this devil you cannot use historical facts against the devil you cannot go to the devil and say well uh, back in you know such and such AD no he don't care about that but what you can say is this is my bible it's God's word to me 
I believe every word. I claim every promise. Come on. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm set free because of God's word. Well, guess what? If I understand that this is God's word to me, that means God's going to talk to me through this Bible. And so if I know he's going to talk to me through this Bible, I'm going to have the help of the Holy Ghost. Let me know the Holy Ghost will direct you to a scripture that you weren't planning to go to. Well, then now that is a rhema word that becomes a rhema word that quickens you in your current situation and you find hope again and you find a path to victory, then how can somebody come along and say, that doesn't apply to you? I don't know about you, but this applies to me. I'm going to take ownership of this because this is what God gave me. God can talk to you through his book. But you have all of these people who fall for the trick of the devil and they study themselves stupid and they become uh, bound up in theology. See, you can't study this and have it make sense. This book is too complex. And if a person thinks that they can chronologically go through it and do all this type of stuff, they have a limited experience. But if we understand it is the living word. Come on, somebody. How many know his word is alive and active? Y'all, y'all understand what that means? It's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Can you put up uh, Hebrews uh, 4, 12, please, real quick? But this is, so if I understand this, this is what actually changed my life. Is the words in this book jumped off the page. And penetrated my heart. The words in this book jumped off the page and applied to my life. And so I was able to see situations of life that I was in get changed because of the words in this book. That's a lot different than knowing the Bible. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so I've always taught that you start reading this book, this book will start reading you. And through the power of the Holy Ghost, you'll receive correction. You'll receive instruction. You'll receive such wise counsel. You'll be able to make decisions that are above your pay grade. Come on, somebody. You'll be able to make moves, power moves that nobody could. You can't even explain how you knew to do that. I have been in this book and I've been in situations and I got a nugget. And I took that one nugget. Now, the unempowered world and the unempowered church would say, Oh, no, brother, you took that out of context. How many know as long as I'm led by the Holy Ghost, it's impossible for me to take it out of context. It's always in the right context because I'm always under the orders of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There is no I took it out of. No, no. I needed a rhema word. God knew I needed some help. And guess what? I got help from the book. That's why a lot of the unsaved world doesn't want to go to the church. Because the church is not getting any help. And so there are no answers. Oh, you just want me to uh, go to church. See, they don't know that you can get delivered. L- let me tell you something. You can get touched through prayer. 
I can lay hands on you. You can lay hands on someone else. They can be touched by that prayer. But in order for them to stay free, y'all in here with me, come on, in order for them to stay free, they're going to have to get in this book. And so now when you get in this book, this word comes alive in you. And so, yeah, thank you for the prayer. That prayer helped me get delivered. But this word has come alive in me. I've never met a word person that is weak. Y'all, y'all don't know what I said. And I'm not talking about a word person. I don't care about you knowing a few scripture. I'm talking about a word person that has the word alive in them. That is, has a healthy diet of the word that is living the word that is obeying, not a conditional obedience and all that type of stuff. I'm talking about a word person who has decided that this book is my governing document. That person is not a person of weakness. That person is a person of power. Because you can defeat the enemy because just like Jesus said, it is written every time the devil comes. See, and that's why a lot of God's people have problems with stuff because they don't know how to quote it is written. And so uh, the devil tries to attack you and now you're angry and frustrated. And and so what do you do? You just pray for God to take away your anger and frustration. But you got to advance. You got to say, oh, no, no. Hold on. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so now I can say it is written. I'm going to get this book and release something from the book that applies to my life. And so and that's why the devil will come out against you one way and he'll flee before you seven different ways. Amen. And so this is what this is about. And so go back to third John two in the amplified classic He says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. That's your mind, your will and your emotions. How many know you're supposed to be thinking good thoughts? Boy, you know how much it's almost like world, world, word. How do you say that? World, 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 world. I'm just want to say word. It's almost like world war three going on in people's minds. And you know what's so dangerous about that is nobody knows. See, you can go to work and smile at a coworker and be bombarded with hellish thoughts and uh, just a hellish agenda and all this type of stuff. And all of a sudden your countenance starts to change. And then when there is no one there, your smile is gone. But then now when someone's there, you try to bring your smile back. But how many know you're still not smiling in your soul? See, God is not looking for superficial healing. He doesn't want you to appear to be better to your neighbors. He wants you to be prospering from the inside out. Come on. He wants you prospering in the inside so that now when I step into an atmosphere, an atmosphere, there could be a black cloud up in that atmosphere. But when I step in, I bring God's presence. Come on. I bring heaven into this situation. I bring the joy of the Lord into this situation. I don't need anybody to cheer me up. Because I'm happy on the inside. See, I don't need to get good news because I've already gotten the best news. Come on. I mean, and and you start to live. What happens when the church lives that way? 
I said, oh, no. Brother, you, uh, you worried about the weather? No, no, sir. No. I mean, we weren't worried about, you know, the whatever they said, a hurricane or whatever. But we don't worry. Like, huh? You, are you worried about that? What you, you, you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm always ready. Oh, what you, you've been down to Costco? No, I didn't go there yet, but I'm always ready. I stay ready. Because I got God in me. You see what I'm saying? I'm not one that is calling myself a member of a church. No, I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I, I'm not a member of a church. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You, you understand that? And so when you do that, you walk a different way. You talk a different way. You live a different way. Your expectations are changed because of what you know about your God. Now, what you know about your God, you start saying, well, man, if God don't want bad for me. Come on, y'all. Can we make this simple? If God doesn't want bad for me. And then here, here's, here's the trend that's going on now. Well, you know, brother. We're in the last days. But what are you supposed to be doing in the last days? See, people don't teach that. They say we're in the last days, but they don't teach that what they're supposed to be doing in the last days. God never told you to be in the last days anticipating his arrival, his return. He never told you to do that. He told you to occupy until he comes so that when he comes, he would find you busy about his business. He never told you to be going around preaching to other people talking about the end is near. You're not him. He says, no man knows the hour. So who gave these people a right? To prepare us. You can't prepare for this. You have to be walking with God or not. How are you going to prepare when you don't know what is going to happen? I mean, if you knew a thief was coming at your house at 12 midnight, surely you could you could prepare. But you thought it was 12 midnight, but he came at 3 a.m. When you was in that rim sleep. That deep sleep. You see what I'm saying? So that's not our focus. Our focus is not is not to be like, oh, well, you see, it's all lining up. It's that's God never told me to worry about that. Because while somebody's focusing on all these things that are lining up and it looks like we're getting all set up, they could have a heart attack. So let me ask you, if you have a heart attack. What does end times coming mean to you? Because your end already came. It is appointed unto a man once to die and after that judgment. So I must stand before my master. I must stand before him. And the state that I die in is the state that I stay in. So I must be ready at all times. I must be ready to meet him. I must wake up every day and say today I could be standing before my Lord. Amen. Now, to me, I don't personally have time to waste on projections of what might happen. For me, I have to spend time making sure that I stay ready. Amen. And so we know that without faith, what? Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so there are so many people walking around the earth saying they're Christians, but they have no faith. 
They don't believe in the healing prayers that I prayed this morning for people. They don't believe in that. They will think I'm a heretic because I said God can heal. Because I cast out sickness. Well, you can't do that. Well, doesn't he tell us in Mark chapter 16? Doesn't he say this is the great commission? You're going to go out and lay hands on the sick and you're going to cast out devils. Who is he talking to if we can't do it today? Who is that for? But the church now is just uh, accepted a get along, get by mentality. And so they're okay not having power. They're okay having chaos in their home. They're okay having their body uh, overtaken with sickness. They're okay living in less than God's best financially. They're, but that's not God. Amen. And the devil's so crafty with all of this, surely you're never going to blame him. And so what happens? Something bad happens and everybody blames God. Somebody dies and, well, the Lord took them. Did he really? Or did the devil take them? Oh, well, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's allowed to happen. Well, Mark, uh, excuse me, uh, John 10, 10. He says, the thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, but I'm come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So that scripture reveals the two agendas. So I cannot go blame God for all the craziness going on in the world because we have an enemy. Amen. And so we must learn what is God's desire. Think about it. If we don't, we're going to blame him for everything. We're going to say God caused that uh, tornado to come in there and destroy that town. God did that. Well, how come when the storm tried to come on the boat that Jesus was in, Jesus said, peace be still. Well, if the storm, come on, mother nature, ain't no mother nature. Y'all in here with me, ain't no mother nature. She don't exist. It's father God and the devil. And so if all this stuff is God's will. So that was the will of God for that town to get destroyed. He needed to do that. Why? You know, you got a lot of people that don't want to go to God now because how could a God who's supposed to be a God of love allow this to happen? That's what they say. They blame God, but they never say anything about what the word says. The word says, if you don't obey me, then all this is coming to you. They don't, they never reflect on that. They blame, they blame God. God allowed all this up. But, but then in a lot of these stories, you'll find somebody that says, oh, my house didn't get touched. Wait, how's that possible? The whole, every, no, no, no. My house didn't get touched. Huh? Why? Because the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them. So what are you saying, Pastor? All these people didn't fear God. I'm not, I've never been given authority to speak what they're doing. I'm telling you, it ain't coming near me. Uh, that's what I will say. Uh, Psalm 91 shall prevail over my family, over my house, over this church. We're not having no damage. 
See what I'm saying? That's what we said during COVID. Ain't no police coming over here. If they come, they're going to get saved. You come up in here to shut something down and get hit with the Holy Ghost. Get saved. Invite the whole force over here. See, I have evidence. I have proof of, of stuff. I've spoken stuff and it happened just like I said. Because I know my rights according to this book. I already knew Psalm 91 was going to prevail for me and my family. So I wasn't having to worry about trying to recover. How I many know oh, you ain't got to recover if you don't get sick to begin with? Isn't that something? Isn't that a different revelation? So I don't need to recover because I'm not sick. Oh, see, brother, now what about those? See, listen, would you rather have somebody come along and be sick with you? Or would you rather have someone help you get out of sickness? Just so you know, I'm never going to come over and be sick with you. So if that was your expectation of me, then I will let you know so that you're not disappointed. Oh, Pastor Troy is not about to come over here with his sick blanket. I don't have a sick blanket. I have an anointing of healing flowing in my body. I have an anointing. I have an authority. And so if I come, I'm coming with oil. I'm coming with power. I'm coming to cast out demons. Are you saying because I'm sick, I have a demon? No, I'm not saying you have a demon, but I, I am saying that the devil's trying to oppress you with sickness. There's a difference. See, you don't have to be demon possessed to be attacked by the devil. And the problem is, is people don't know how to call it for what it is. So if sick, I'm telling you right now, if sickness comes on your body, call it for what it is. This came from hell. This didn't come from my God. Oh, see, some of y'all ain't at that place where you know what's really coming from God. You got to identify, say, oh, this ain't from God. If you think it's from God, you're going to accept it. So, oh, okay, God. Uh, you know what? Um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and do that because you did go to the cross for me. So I'll, I'll take that. And it was people say, God had to teach me a lesson. Really? You, you learn by that. You learn like by getting hit in the head with rocks. That's how you learn. I don't learn that way. I learn by communication. I prefer God to just talk to me. Don't give me something to teach me a lesson. I re- See, people think, well, God had to slow me down. because No, no. God didn't have to slow you down. The devil was trying to kill you. And the fact that you're still alive is by God's grace. And so you was hard headed and you wasn't listening to God. And so what God did was go like this. Oh, come on, y'all don't. You. See, God ain't doing all this. I gotta, you think God's got time to curse you? The curse is already working. So your actions determine whether you get to experience Life under the blessing or under the curse. That's not God saying, oh, see, you messed up over there, so I'm going to get you. He ain't got time to get you. If he wanted to get you, you'd be gone. But because this thing is already in motion, he said it. He can't change his word. He said, if you obey me, all this good is coming your way. If you disobey me, all this bad is coming your way. It's in motion. 
And so people don't obey God and then they wonder why everything's going wrong. I know why it's going wrong because the devil has gained access. You just open up your back window and now you're trying to blame God for the devil being in your house. And God is like, I already gave you Jesus. What else I need to do? God, can you get this devil out of my house? And God said, can you obey me? If you obey me, you get the devil out on your own. I don't even have to show up over at your house. See, I, you can, oh, Lord, help me. You cannot get this stuff going wrong in your life and put it on God. Because if you put it on God, you're going to accept it. And you're going to think it's according to his will. But you got to know what his will is. You can't find in this book where he says his will for you is sickness and disease. His will for you is poverty and destruction. It's not in there. But people accept that as the will of God because they don't want to obey. They don't want to say my money's jacked up because I've been doing wrong in the eyes of the Lord. They don't want to say that. They don't want to say my health is bad because I've been. Ah. Y'all can't prove me wrong. I chose to obey God. So I'm living in the blessing. Amen. And I'm going to keep living in the blessing because the devil can't touch me unless I decide to go over there and live with him. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm just under the anointing. Go to Psalm, Psalm 125. Go to Psalm 125. I got to give you this. I got to show you how this works. They don't teach this in churches. That there's no reward for obedience. People are that obedience. That's the works doctrine. This whole thing is all about works. Do what I said. Be blessed. Don't do what I said. You already know what you got coming your way. And don't be crying to me later. That's the word. Psalm 125. And Psalm 125 is basically talking about that. What's coming to the wicked can't come on me unless I start doing what they're doing. Amen. Uh, So he says, verse three, Psalm 125, verse three, he says, for the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. Y'all see that? So what the wicked got coming their way ain't coming to me. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. And then it says, lest the righteous put y'all, y'all see this. Just leave that up. Y'all see this. For the rod of the wicked. How many of y'all know wicked people get punished? But the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. So what the wicked got coming to them can't come to me unless I do what they do. Next verse, verse four. So he says, uh, do good. Y'all see this. The next time they tell you, oh, your works don't matter, brother. That's, you know, we're in the age of grace. You know, the people that say that are the least blessed. If you follow them, you follow them home. You're going to find some stuff you didn't expect. They're talking all that talk, but they got no. The reason that you're going to find stuff you didn't expect is because they have no power against the devil. And so if I say there's no works, there's no whatever. 
that means the enemy has been given access. So you got to shut him down. Don't give him access to nowhere in your life. Nothing in your life. Amen. And so do good, O Lord, unto those that be good. And to them that are upright in their hearts. Is that, is that what that says? So does that sound like that you're going to be rewarded for doing right and obeying God? Next verse. Go to verse 5. For, so it says, as for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways. You see that? I'm telling you, in this, this short scripture, the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous unless the righteous puts forth their hands unto inequity. Amen. Unless they put, and so unless I do it, I don't have to worry about what's coming to them coming to me. So then why would my expectations be such doom and gloom? Does that make sense? Why should I have a negative outlook? I should be expected to be like the good kid. Come on. If, if you got kids and you guys are, I'm going to tell you right now, you will be considered a terrible parent. If you have one kid that goes and gets straight A's and he comes home, but because his brother gets all D's, they both get a whooping. You are a terrible parent. Oh, no, no, because this is a family thing. So, you know what? Your brother didn't get no A's. You got all A's, but you getting a whooping because of your brother. That's terrible parenting. That would be like God. God says, well, I was going to bless you. You did good. You obeyed me. But because your neighbor down the street did not obey me, now all of y'all getting destroyed. So now you understand why people don't want to go to church. So I need to do that. Because there's church ain't going to help me. God's not going to help me. And that's because people have been misrepresenting God. God will help you. He will come through for you. He will show himself strong. You can never have God fail you. If you commit to his way of doing things, if you commit to his uh, sovereignty as Lord, if you understand, see, you cannot play with this. Now, it's the enemy that's coming in and attacking. But the way we are defended against that attack is our allegiance to God. And so for the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto inequity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. Verse 5. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of inequity. But peace shall be upon Israel. And so I'm not going to be led forth with those people that are all doing wrong. I'm going to be led into the abundance of God, the peace of God. Well, are you guys convinced that God wants good for your life? Think about it. You think God has you alive on planet Earth right now at this time? To just torment you. To just make you have a living hell. Is that his plan? No. Because that's not even in his nature. But if we don't know what his plan is, then we won't be able to recognize what's God and what's the enemy. So one thing you got to understand, there is a devil. Some people think that that's only for uh, Hollywood. 
Where do you think Hollywood got it from? <laughs> There's a real devil. And he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And the thing about the devil is he's relentless. So when you're tired, he's not. When you don't want to engage spiritually, he's still there. When you feel like I'm weak, he's happy. Amen? And so if I know that, then I'm saying, God, you got to give me the strength that I need to prevail. First of all, I got to know you're not agreeing with this bad stuff. So then I want to know what your will is for me. And so Psalm, now go to Psalm 35, Psalm 35, 27 through 28. So this is just about what is his character. It says, now let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yet let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has, what does that say? Which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Stop right there. So that means God takes delight. You know God is happy when you're happy. You know, Christians ought to be just full of joy all the time. If we understand that, that's what God wants for me. I want to be experiencing joy too. Amen. I want to be able to walk in this joy that God has for me. And so he says, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of, of his servant. Next verse. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. And so that's my tongue. So that means what am I speaking about? What are, ask yourself. You don't have to answer it, but you just ask yourself in the privacy of your heart. What are you speaking about God throughout your day? Are you speaking of his goodness? Are you speaking of everything that's going wrong? Are you magnifying? You know, um, so when we look at this, we're given instructions that we're to speak of his righteousness and of his praise all day long. So how many of you guys think God is righteous? Amen. How many of y'all think he's good? Like, like you know, you know, has, has he been good to you on more than one occasion? So imagine this as the Bible's instructing you. Could you see that? Oh, wow. So he says that I'm supposed to magnify him, but I'm supposed to, my tongue is supposed to be speaking of his righteousness and of his praise all the day. So what if you are a person walking around here talking about, man, God is good. I'm just, I just, oh gosh, he's just so amazing. I mean, I, he just, you know, what if you had that kind of encounter with God? What do you think it would do for you? Well, that's what you did. You spent, instead of spending your time complaining about everything, right? Because think about this. Yeah, maybe some bad things happen to people, but there's always something worse. And the worst thing, maybe it didn't happen. And you start to understand that I'm here to glorify God. I'm here to magnify God. Well, my tongue shall speak of his righteousness and of his praise all the day long. Go to Psalm 34, 3. Psalm 34, 3. So what does this say? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What if you started doing that? What if you guys start walking around talking about, oh, magnify, won't you magnify the Lord with me today? Won't you magnify the Lord with me today? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen. See, and that's what we were doing at church. 
earlier today. We're just magnifying God because no matter what a situation looks like, we know our God is bigger. And so the word magnify means to make his name bigger than anything that you are facing. What a challenge to magnify. God means to make his name bigger than anything you are facing. And so when you don't magnify, y'all ready for this? When you don't magnify the Lord and you magnify these other things, you have made that other thing your God. Amen. And our God is a jealous God. And so when you've chosen to magnify your situation, you've chosen to magnify your problem, you've chosen to magnify your pain and exalt it. So what anyone that encounters you hears about is what you've made your God. But if I can reverse that, come on, if I could flip that and say, oh, no. God, I've been through some stuff. But you never failed me. Come on, somebody. I've been through some low points. But you never fell me. I almost lost my mind. Come on, somebody. But you but it was you that came through. It was you that embraced me. It was you that sent this one or that one. It was when I was about to. That's magnifying God. That's letting the devil know that no matter what you try to throw at me, I know that didn't come from my God. I know that that was not my God's plan to break my heart. It was not my God's plan to destroy me. My God has good in store for me. He wants the best for me. And so I'm going to magnify him above. Thank you, Jesus. You see that? That's why it says weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. See, when Paul and Silas were in the prison, And they were bound and really they should not have had any hope. But what did they do with the little bit of breath they had left? At midnight, they praised God. They prayed and gave thanks to God. And how many know heaven moved? And the shackles of bondage had to fall off. And then that freedom was contagious, so contagious that everybody's cell was opened. Because you know what? They knew that their God didn't put them in that prison. Oh, come on, y'all. Uh, see, that's, that's our problem in our world today. People are blaming God for everything that happens to them. They're blaming God. It was God's doing. God did this. God did that. And now they don't know what's God and what's the devil. But Paul and Silas knew, oh, no, it was not God that put us in this prison. Because if you blame God for what you're going through, you're surely not going to praise him. And if you don't praise him, you're not going to get a breakthrough. Amen. Because the devil's plan is to destroy you. He's not going to stop until you leave the earth. So in the midst of it, all hell breaking out on you. Come on, somebody. All chaos coming at you from all angles. Everywhere you turn, bad news, stuff going wrong, stuff falling apart. Things are not always as they appear. And so the question is, 
Will you magnify the Lord? Come on. Will you exalt his name above your situation? Will you make your situation bow to your king? Will you make your situation bow to your master? And you got to be able to tell him, devil, you can't break me. I don't care if nothing changes. I'm going to be They will find me with my hands raised and my mouth open, praising my God. I'm not going to doubt him. I know that he said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. It this see hopelessness, despair that don't come from God. It's not in his nature. He wishes that you would prosper, but you're in a war. He's just not going to let you ride off into the devil's not just going to let you ride off into heaven on your white horse and carriage. He's going to try his best to destroy you. But if you settle it in yourself, you say, oh, no, I know who my God is. And my expectations are not set by man. They're not set by the world. They're set by my God. And so I'm going to magnify him. Go to Psalm 34, 1, Psalm 34, 1. And let this be an attitude that you carry around in this life. Let this be an attitude. He says, I mean, oh, David went through a lot of stuff. He had a lot of wicked stuff coming at him. Some of it was his own doing. Some of it was because David disobeyed and he opened himself up to an attack of the enemy. But what did he do? He repented and then he never turned on his God. Amen. Sometimes God may let you know, hey, man, you just need to repent. Correct that wrong in your life so the devil can be shut out. Repent, but don't ever turn on your God. Amen. He says, I will. Next verse. He says, I will bless the Lord when? At all what? At all times. That means I'm, it don't matter what I'm going through. I'm going to bless the Lord. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, continually means it does not stop. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. See, this is what you've got to do. You've got to live this way and say, I don't, it doesn't matter how things seem. I'm going to praise God and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Go to Psalm 145. I got to give you all these scriptures so you know what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. You're not going to know what you're supposed to be doing by watching the news or listening to the radio program. Come on, somebody. Don't be going to Dr. Phil. He don't have your answers. Amen. Your answers are right here. God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen. God ain't got to prove nothing to you. He's already God. He's been God before you ever hit the earth. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is what? Unsearchable. What? His greatness is unsearchable. Go to to the message on this verse three. His greatness is unsearchable. God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. Y'all in here with me. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. What? God is not limited. There's, we've seen God do miracles and he's wanting us to know, man, I got so much I want to do. And so if you start to think about God and then you ask yourself again, so what could happen? If we're talking about the God that 
has no boundaries to his greatness, what could happen? Could he change your situation for you? Come on. Could he turn it around late in the midnight hour? Come on, somebody. Can you go from the bottom to the top? Come on, somebody. Can you go from sick to healed? I'm talking about in less than 24 hours. Come on, somebody. Can you go from broke to abundance? There's no limits. So now you see why my outlook would change. I'd be waking up talking about this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'd be looking forward to greater things. And so so what could happen if you decide to trust God with every aspect of your life? Because some people give certain things to God and they hold back other things. But what if you decide to trust him with every aspect of your life? How could your life turn out if he's in full control? Amen. Amen. And, and, um, you know, people, um, people say, uh, people say that God's in control. They say that a lot. That's cliche. That's become a cliche type of thing. Well, you know, God's in control, brother. And they think God's in control of everything. So you think that's God, right? That's God out there carjacking people. He's in control. God's carjacking and murdering people. That's, that's God. That's people that don't know his word. Because if you know your your God, you know that ain't him. Because my God is not doing that. He's not out there destroying people like that. That's the devil. And so we can't just be saying God is in control because people say God is in control, but he is not in control of your life until you relinquish your control. Y'all got to hear me today. He's not in control of your life until you relinquish your control. You have control and you can give that control away to God because you're living in free will. And so God's not going to force himself into your life. If you want to keep playing with God, he'll let you play. He's not playing with you, but he'll let you keep on doing what you're doing. But if you relinquish control, you say, I ain't going to make it, God. I'm giving up my personal will. I'm giving up my rebellion. Come on, some some church people just hard-headed. I'm giving up my stubborn, stiff-necked ways. I release myself into your hands. I'm not my own master. You're my master. I'm bowing. You ain't got to prove nothing to me. I'm bowing to you. You don't have to explain nothing to me. Some people wait for God to explain it. You think you're doing extra prayer, but you're just being stubborn and not doing what he already told you. And you need to bow to the master and let's get on with it. It don't take all this long meditation. It takes swift obedience, swift obedience. Yes, sir. That's what it takes. And you will see God move mightily. Once you relinquish control and you give it all to him. And people say God's got it. Right. We heard that. God, oh, God's got this. Amen. But then they worry. And they doubt. And they speculate. And the nature of pessimism starts to dominate. My job as your pastor is to keep you away from those places. Amen. So that now you could check yourself. You can say, oh, no, I just said God's got it. But why am I up late worried about it? I just said God's got this. But why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling this anxiety creeping up? I just said myself that God's got it. Well, does he really got it? You answer that yourself. And you put that pessimism in check. 
He said, oh, no, no, my God's got this because he's got only good for me. And so I'm not going to worry about it because he's on the throne. Amen. Amen. And we know what God can do. Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can possibly ask or think according to the power that works in us. We know that's the Holy Spirit, but also our faith. Also, look at this in the NIV real quick. I just like the way they word it out. He's able to do uh, something that, I mean, he's able to do stuff that's beyond us. So just put the 320 NIV. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably. You can't even measure what God can do. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. Look at the one more version, the Amplified Classic. I want you to just pick up on these words where because he's in us, we know, uh, go to the next part. He'll say uh, he's able to do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare. Man, look at your name. Say, I dare you to ask God that. Y'all be scared to ask God some big stuff. Look at look at your neighbor and say, I dare you to ask him that. Oh, man, I dare you to do it. See, we who says that we have to be reserved in our asking to God. But then he says he's able to do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. What is this? Amen. So where should our expectations be? They ought to be off the charts. They ought to be off the, off the charts. But here's what we got to learn. I'm going to close in a minute. You cannot plan things for God. You can't do that. You can't plan things for God. You can't even imagine how he is going to do what he does. Think about it. We could come up with a way. It's, it's better to think positive, positive than to think negatively. But you, you don't know. Have you guys ever had God fix something? You say, dang, I didn't even, I never even thought you was going to fix it like that. That, that, the way that turned out, there was no way I could have came up with that solution. How many of y'all in here with me? Has, he's, has he done that already? Well, it's just, it's, uh, you say, what? I was believing you for something, but dang, I didn't even know it was going to be like that. That's because he's God. And if I understand that I can't even imagine how he's going to do it, I just got to trust him. Let's close over here with Romans 11, Romans 11, 33. We'll look at this quickly in uh, King James and in uh, NLT, but he says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of wi- the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You can't study God. You can't figure him out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are what? All things to whom be glory forever. And let's look at this in the NLT. And we'll see, this is, this is the God we serve. Amen. Oh, how great, uh, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? How many of y'all would 
be okay with signing up for that. You say, I'm, you know, I'm going to go ahead and have a counseling session with God and advise him. I need to get with God so I can advise him. People are doing that all the time. You know what they do is they, the devil tricks them in their prayers and then they start telling God what they already know they're going to do. And then they ask God to bless it instead of saying, what do you want me to do, Lord? Because what I thought might be wrong. You know more than me. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? See? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And so what we have to do, this leaves us at this place where we say, well, you know, what could happen? If God's fully in control, man, I could be pleasantly surprised. I can have some good stuff happening for me that is better than I thought. That ought to be our testimony that it's actually better than I thought. And so we have to understand and just go ahead and trust God's process. And we got to trust and obey him and see what can happen. But what God does is he'll give you daily instructions. So he does not always give you the full plan. Because if you knew the full plan, then you'd find a way to not do it. And so what God does is he'll give you what to do right now. Come on, y'all. But you want to know, well, what am I supposed to do tomorrow, Lord? And he says, I'm not telling you. I want to see what you do today. How about we start stacking some obedience? Come on, how about you start stacking up some days where, you know what, I gave that day to God. I gave this day to God. How about you start doing it one day at a time? How about you start saying, well, Lord, I trust you. And I know you got good stuff for me. So I'm going to give you this day. And then we'll see what happens tomorrow. And then you're going to stack it. And I've been stacking days for probably close to 30 years. No, Pastor Troy, you got to have another formula. No, I've been stacking days for about 30 years. And I just trust him with every day he gives me. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We can trust you. Because everything you say you will do, you'll do it. And today, through this message, we got some things confirmed in our spirit that we are not going to blame you. We know what comes from you is good. We're not going to battle you or fight to be in control. We release control right now. Maybe you're watching this and you don't know Jesus as Lord. Maybe you're here. We just want you to know his arms are open to receive you and he will do some supernatural things for you. But he won't make you. He just gives you an opportunity to receive. Church, let's repeat this prayer so that anyone who hears this message would know how to receive Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me. Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I commit my life into your hands. This day, I am saved. Do with me as you please. And fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap for the Lord right there, amen.